Yom Tov, everyone. Today is Yom Tov. It's uh, a happy birthday. It's Yud Aleph Nisan. It's a very big day. A very big night. The night of the Rebbe's birthday that brings light to the entire world in the highest, deepest way. So, L'chaim for that. Um, I know I'm late. I'm supposed to give the shir Monday. It's Tuesday, and even on Tuesday it's late, but okay. Better late than never, right? Mashiach is also late. Okay. So what I'd like to do tonight, in honor of both of the Rebbe and in honor of Pesach coming, which tells us that the real Pesach, which is the real freedom, is related to the future redemption, and therefore it's interesting how the Rebbe's birthday comes out, Yud Aleph Nisan, because uh, that's it. In order to celebrate Pesach, you need to have a Rebbe. You need a, you need, you need a Rebbe first to give us the, uh, the, the energy. The whole power of the Giyulu was through Moshe Rabbeinu. So today is the Rebbe's birthday. It empowers that we should see the Giyulu Shlema completely, completely now, now, now. So I just, uh, I'm going to share with you some, just some thoughts on the Agadah, both uh, from the Lubavitcher Rebbe's teachings and also from his father. So it's going to be a blend of mystical and Kabbalistic and uh, Hasidic ideas. Hopefully to empower us all that we don't, that in the third base of Migdash that we're going to celebrate, we're going to have uh, extra simcha. Mm. So the first thing I just want to note, I mentioned earlier that, you know, we're, we're, we're not so much concerned as much as the Yetzirah Mitzrayim as we are concerned already with the future redemption, with the, or rather I should say the up and coming, or rather I should say the current redemption. Because on some level it must be happening already, and it just all that's lacking is that it should reveal itself to our eyes. May Hashem help. May that happen now, 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 now. So one of the interesting things that Rebbe says regarding what we do at the beginning of the Seder is we take a matzah and we crack it in half. The smaller piece we leave on the Seder plate and we say the Haggadah. The larger piece we kind of hide it. It's called the Afikomen. We eat it at the end of the... That is to be eaten only at the end of the Seder, right before we bench. And that is a commemoration of the Karben Pesach and so on and so forth. So the question is... Um, uh, we know that uh, one of the mitzvahs to, to relate the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we're supposed to relate the, uh, that's the mitzvah of the night, to relate to Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and it has to be said on the matzah. That's one of the reasons why it's called Lechem Oini, which regularly is read poor man's bread, but it's also read by the sages Lechem, a bread, which many words are said upon it. We say a lot. And obviously when we say we say oh, we say a lot, doesn't just mean we say a lot of pages. It means that the content is a lot. Because we're revealing everything. We're saying about this, the whole story of the Exodus, which is the whole story of godly revelation, which is the whole story of the elevation of the Jewish people and everything. So it's uh, a lot. And we say it on the bread. So the question is, why are we saying it on, a, on the smaller broken bread, which that bread also is the reason why we say we say uh, the, the dafka on a broken one, why do we break it in the first place, is because of the other reason why when it says lechem oini, 
simply the simple reading is it's a poor man's bread. A poor man has a has a broken has a broken bread. Not only he has a broken one, he has a small piece from the broken bread. If he has a big piece, he's not so poor. He's poor because he has he has a small little piece of bread. So we combine both of the interpretations. A poor man's bread and a bread that we say a lot of things. But the question is, it's a contradiction. Because if you're saying a lot of things, which means it's very rich, this bread. This bread is what's bringing down all the great revelations. Saying something is not just saying. Saying means channeling and driving down. So we're bringing down the greatest energies of redemption into our Seder, into our home, into our space, into our soul, into our body, into our experience, into our children, into our guests whoever is participating in our Seder, and what are we using? We're using a poor man's bread, which is emphasizing poverty. How do you blend together poverty and wealth at the same time? So the Rebbe asks, it would have been far more appropriate if we would say the Agada on the Afikoman. The Afikoman is the, is the big one. And that shows at least wealth. It's, we know the Afikoman can is today's days replacing the Korban Pesach. Korban Pesach is the is the is the is the lamb that they ate, and the lamb definitely doesn't express the poverty. The lamb represents the wealth they achieved when they went out of Egypt. So that would have been much better to say the Agada, which speaks about the miracles of the redemption on the rich, on the richer part of the matzah, the big part, not the small uh, skimpy piece of matzah that's left over on the seder plate. And the Rebbe's insight is just phenomenal. And this is again, this is the mind of of the future, not the mind of the past. The Rebbe says, as great as Yitzhiya Mitzrayim was, as spectacular as that Geula was, that it was so enormous and it's so great, and we're still talking about it three, you know, close to three and a half thousand years. Yet, it's still considered child's play in comparison to the revelation that's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And the godly the godly experience, the miracles that are going to happen, the godly experience that are going to happen, the levels of holiness that we're going to attain, the tanu, the elevation that we're going to be elevated to, the joy that we're going to experience, the laughter that we're going to experience, the knowledge that we're going to perceive and have. Everything we had till now is nothing. And for that reason, we don't say, we say the agada on the lachma'anya. Because what we're really saying is that we appreciate and we understand that notwithstanding the fact that it is lechem sha'inen all of dvarim harbe, we're talking about all the dvarim, all the amazing things that happened when we went out of Egypt and continues from the going out of Egypt till today, with all the revelations of all the tzaddikim and all the and all the Torah and all the all, everything, all the miracles, the beisamigdash and and the prophets. Everything that happened, it's poor man's bread. That's the understanding. We haven't even touched the afikoman. That's already the afikoman is the reason we put it away for the end of the seder is because the afikoman is the future redemption. That's the big half, the bigger part of the redemption. It's like Yitzhak Mitzrayim comes in two phases, phase one and phase two. Phase two is much bigger than phase one. We haven't gotten to phase two. It's like we know also that it's considered a marriage. So this is the betrothal our, our marriage to God, which is the betrothal, and the Mashiach will come, we're going to have the, the completion of our, we're going to actually live together in an intimacy with God, which is, which is called the Nesuyan. And that's why a couple gets married, not for to be engaged. They get married so that they can be married. 
and live together. And that's only going to happen in Mashiach's world. So when we appreciate this idea that the Devarim Harbe, which includes the entire redemption until Mashiach, everything that happened until that time, is all part of Lachma Anya, a poor man's bread. Because we haven't even touched the Afikoyman yet. Afikoyman is the future. And that's the reason why we break the matzah before we say the magid. In addition to this, that we should say the agad on a broken matzah. But it's also to emphasize that whatever we're going to say and speak about the praises and the good that's happening, it's, that's, not the, that's not the main piece of the matzah. That's not the main event. The main event is yet to come. In other words, the best is still to come. As much as we reminisce it about the past, the best is, a, is coming, and it's coming fast. I mean, not so fast, I should say. Let's, 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 uh, let's, let's hope it comes faster. I mean, of course it's coming fast. I mean, to say that even if it comes tonight, it didn't come so fast. But I guess when, once it'll come and we'll see what it is, we'll realize it came very fast. Um, But, but he adds a very important idea. And that is that the big part, which is the afikomen, which is the future redemption, is broken from the same matzah that the small matzah comes out. In other words, what we really need to appreciate is we're not disconnected from the future. Our struggles and our hardships and our experiences and our trials and triumphs that we have now is what creates the future reality. So the future of Mashiach is one with now. It's just that it's hidden. And what do we do with the Afikaim? And we hide it. It's present all along. The Mashiach world is constantly accompanying us, the entire exile, because it's all about that revelation. And we create it, we mold it, we're, 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 we're developing this, this revelation. You know, we're, we're, we're stimulating it from above, and in which it will come down in a massive revelation at the end of time, which is now. Now it's hidden, but where is it hidden from? It, meaning, where, what, is it, what is it created from? It's created from the, 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 the poor man's bread, which is relative to the future called poor man, and the Devarim Haribe and the many words that we say on the poor man's bread is affecting and the afikoman bread as well, the future redemption. So this is it, and that's why Yud Aleph Nisan is, is I mean, going back to what I was saying, is the, is the birth of the Rebbe, which enables the future redemption. So we have this year Pesach, but I hope and I pray that it's not going to be a Pesach of Mitzrayim. It's going to be that too, but because even after Mashiach comes, we're going to, we're going to talk about that we went out of Egypt, we won't forget it. But yet, the awesomeness of what is coming. Okay, so, so what's the theme? What's the theme? The theme of Pesach, which again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'd like to take a couple of ideas, and they're isolated ideas, meaning they're, they're different ideas through the Agada. Um, 
uh, and uh, little nuggets, so to speak, but I'd like to like weave it together and to create one, one concept, one idea, that kind of a thread that runs through the Agada. We're not going to go too far, but we're going to go a little into the Agada. And um, so this is part of really what I, I spoke Shabbos at my Shabbos Agadal talk, even though well, this week wasn't Shabbos Agadal technically, but we gave, I was supposed to give the talk I am, but I'm saying l'chaim to you. It's Yud Aleph Nisan. We have to, we have to share it. Sabiyah Fabrengen. So um, I said this on Shabbos. Shabbos, there's no recording, so uh, it makes it easier for me tonight to give over, hopefully, what I was, uh, what I was able to share on Shabbos. Um, what I do want to say is that um, I forgot what I wanted to say, so it's probably not important. Okay. Also, I'm looking for 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 a theme, for for a for for a point, because you can read, you know, you read here, you read there, but then you try to you try to identify a point and what what that point is is something that you're gonna like try to live with. And th th this is the idea that I'm working with it with now. And that is that, you know, the, the, the beauty of Pesach, the beauty of the experience is it's the convergence of us with God. That's what it is. It's the beginning of our convergence with Hashem. And it's the idea that we allow Hashem to pick us up. We allow Hashem to lift us up. And the beauty of Pesach is that it's unconditional and it's not contingent on our work. Pesach is a gift from above. Pesach is chesed, it's kindness, it's God's love to the Jewish people. But the, but, the, but, but, but the emphasis over here is that as a result of Pesach, of the exodus of Egypt, and God lifting us up, it's the elevation from a human being to a godly being. In other words, we become a being, it's, it's the idea of marriage. When you get married, you're in a relationship, and you marriage, it takes two individuals and makes them one. Pesach, which leads to Shavuos, which is the giving of the Torah, which is really our marriage, and Pesach is the beginning of that experience, is the beginning of the fusion of God and man. God empowers the Jewish people to be a godly nation. And as a result of the Jewish people being a godly people and a godly nation, we can imbue godliness into all of existence until all of creation and all of existence becomes a godly existence. So therefore, the Seder has to be an experience of fusion, where man meets God. That's the point. So that's the point that I'd like to find throughout the Seder. Where do we, do you experience this? There is us. And as we said, there is no um, um, test. There is no uh, ex exam, passing exam, in order to be able to be at the Seder. Everybody's welcome, because God doesn't differentiate on Pesach between one's accomplishments and so on and so forth. What is revealed Pesach is the love of Hashem that is unconditional, the essential love that He has to every soul. 
and with that he comes down from Hashem comes down from his greatest heights to lift, to embrace, and to kiss each and every one of us. That's what it is. A powerful, powerful divine kiss. And a connection, a bonding. So let's begin with the matzah. And in the matzah itself, we can see the merging of... The matzah starts off as a cracker. It starts off as a human matzah. But as the matzah, you know, as the matzah progresses, the human matzah becomes a godly matzah. Literally, it becomes a godly matzah. And we'll see that in the story of the matzah. But first, let's understand that the matzah itself, the matzah represents, it's, it's, it's representing the Jewish people in the fact that the Jewish people are the matzah. To understand a little bit better what I'm saying is that there is a, you know, we spoke earlier, the concept of Pesach is this emergence of God and man, this unity, this, 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 um, this marriage. So Kabbalistically, mystically, this concept of this marriage is referred to as a yichud between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. A unification, a union between HaKadosh Baruch Hu which, and Shekhinah, which are terms that the sages use in reference to God, when they want to emphasize different facets of the divine. There is an element of God that is feminine, and there is an element of the divine that is masculine. And the purpose that we try to do through all of our work is to be the shatchan, to be the, uh, the, ma the, the matchmaker between the, the masculine and the feminine element of the divine. Now, of course, we're not just a matchmaker, but because we are the feminine element of the divine is the root of our souls. So we are all rooted in Shekhinah. So when we cause this union between the HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, it really means unifying ourselves with God. So we are then the bride. But on a more mystical level, the Shekhinah is called the bride. And what's the Shekhinah? The Shekhinah is the root of all of our souls, the collective soul of Israel, which is also the root of creation. It's the source of, 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 of the finite world, the pnimius of it, the innermost of the Shekhinah is the source of Jewish souls as they are much deeper rooted in the divine than the rest of the creation and the rest of existence. So the giving of the Torah and the purpose of all of Torah and mitzvahs is to cause this unity, which goes back to what I said at the beginning, is we want to merge God with the world, God with the Jewish people, and through the Jewish people, God eventually with the world. So to give it fancy Kabbalistic terminology, it's called the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, and that is the purpose of every mitzvah. And especially the Seder night, which jumpstarts the entire Jewish experience. It all begins in Egypt. It all begins on that night, at the strike of midnight, when God crashes through the darkness. We are encircled, 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 trapped, trapped in a way that we can't go anywhere. Completely closed up, completely encircled with darkness. 
however you want to see this, whether it's physical enslavement, spiritual, psychological, deep entrapment in which we literally can't move, we can't even breathe. And God slices through that darkness, literally slices through that darkness, breaks it and, and liberates it, connects to us. That's the unity between the transcendental and the imminent. The imminence of God's light is kind of trapped with us. Because we know wherever the Jewish people are in exile, the Shekhinah is with us. So as we are lay here helpless, the Shekhinah is also helpless. She's also trapped in the darkness. Galuta Shekhinah, the exile of the Shekhinah. God, the masculine, the infinite, it transcends it all, breaks through the layers of darkness. There has to be probably really strong, powerful forces of the evil of darkness if they can trap the Shekhinah. And liberates the Shekhinah, unifies with her, and thereby unifies with all of us. Every time we do a mitzvah, we're reenacting this union because we're taking a spark of the Shekhinah, which is us doing the mitzvah. And the mitzvah is the will of God, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're unifying with God's will. There you go. It's a union between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. Or we can also see it a little different. The object with which we're doing the mitzvah has a particle of Shekhinah in it because it's an object of this world and we're doing God's will with it. So now we're unifying the spark with the greater whole. And that's the unity of a Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. It's also the concept of elevating sparks. So for those who have a more mystical uh, Seder, what I mean is they are accustomed to uh, say more of the mystical passages. So it's not in the Chabad God, even though Chabad's ha Seder is very mystical because it's based completely on Hasidic teaching. But the custom in Chabad is not to say this, but all other Hasidim and Sfardim and so on and so forth that do say before every part of the, every mitzvah they will do at the Seder night, like drinking the four cups, eating the matzah. They'll say L'shem Yichud for the sake of a unity between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, to forge the bond between the two. So, going back to the matzah, the matzah is Shekhinah. And what we're going to see soon, there's two levels of matzah. There is a single matzah, and there is a married matzah. Not a joke. There is a single matzah, like a... The matzah is the feminine. But in the feminine itself, two levels. There is an unmarried matzah, a single girl, and then there is a married matzah. And what is a married matzah? She already coupled with her husband. What that means is that the matzah has already been infused with transcendental masculine infinite light. And the matzah is a different matzah. So let's first, in general, discover where, what's matzah have to do with the feminine. Where does matzah relate to feminine in the first place? So we see it's from a halacha. The Jerusalem Talmud teaches an amazing thing. This is the, this is the Lubavitcher of his father says this. But he brings it from the, what it says, the Jerusalem Talmud says that if you eat matzah on Erev Pesach, that means you can't wait for your matzah. The matzah is calling. 
and you're so excited, like the holy Bardichever, you know, he couldn't wait to shake his lulav, and he, he was up all night, and when he got dawn, he, he ran, and he just didn't realize the glass was there. He, he ran to the, um, you know, the, the, there was a special cupboard, a place where he kept his, uh, his, 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 his S-robe, but he, it was a little dark, and he was in such a haste that he ran through the glass, and he came to shul. No one, he didn't even realize his hand was dripping blood. And they realized because he, you know, he, he, he was unaware that he went through the glass with his excitement, his crazy madness to do the mitzvah. So imagine a Jew who's so excited to eat matzah that you, you know, you can't wait for the night. He's eating his matzah already during the day. Erev Pesach. Now this year it's a problem because Erev Pesach is going to be Shabbos. So it's a whole problem because you, have to, you can't really have chametz. You do eat chametz. You have to eat early and then you have to get rid of it. Then you're worried with the crumbs. You're going to flush it down the toilet. What are you going to do? Some people, you know, say, it's solve it. Let's just eat matzah. What's the, you, have to, you have to wash for Shabbos. You have to eat bread. So you eat matzah. But you're not a ladder. That's the problem. Because you're not allowed to eat matzah. There's a problem. You can't eat matzah before the night of matzah. You're allowed to eat matzah the rest of the year, but Erev Pesach, we're for sure, halachically, we're not supposed to eat matzah on the day before Pesach. Some people have a minute to stop eating the matzah already a while earlier. And why? So the Talmud says an interesting thing. Jerusalem Talmud, that if someone eats matzah, before Pesach, it's as if a couple to be married engage in intimacy before the chuppah. They're not waiting. They should wait, right? You wait, get engaged, and then you wait it out. It might be hard. That's probably one of the reasons the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, disencouraged long engagements. Wanted engagements to be very quick. You get engaged, do whatever you quickly for a marriage. They love each other, they're in love, and they should uh, be able to be intimate with each other. It's not good to wait too long. In any case, um, but you gotta wait. So the, 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 your, your Jerusalem Talmud says, eating matzah, it's a, it's a, it sounds like the strangest comparison. Eating matzah before the time before the night of Pesach, is like having premarital, premarital, whatever. What kind of weird thing is that? And the answer to that is, now we understand, because mystically, the matzah is female. The matzah is, represents the woman, represents the Shekhinah, which is really the idea of a bride. Every woman, every Jewish woman is a, is a, uh, manifestation of Shekhinah. That's why a Jewish wedding is such a great thing, because it's a unity. It's not just a, 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 a match, it's a marriage between two individuals. It's cosmic. But in any case, this is the reality, okay? This is the story. This is what we see. Sorry, I'm saying really things a little weird, because I'm tired. It's no good. Lately, I'm getting so tired, I don't know what to do. Okay. Maybe because I'm giving shiurim at 10.30 at night instead of at 8.00. Okay, maybe that's the solution. But in any case, and then he adds, who is the quintessential female that represents, that represents the Shekhinah? So we know, it's all the Jewish women, but it's interesting, all the biblical, all the biblical Jewish women 
are, because they're women, women re represented are, are rooted in the, in the feminine element of, of creation. That's why they're female. So it's a soul thing. So therefore, all the biblical um, heroines, if you can say, of the, of, the, um, of the Torah are all connected to Malchus, like Esther and you know, everybody, Devorah and so on. But each one is another nuance of Malchus. Sarah is the crown of Malchus. And Leah is the Bina of Malchus. Rivka, Machor. Esther is the Malchus of Malchus, but when it descends into the lowest of worlds. But the one most associated with the attribute of Malchus is Rachel, is Rachel. Rachel is, is the symbol of Malchus itself. What is matzah made out of? Matzah is made out of flour and water. That's it. Very simple ingredient. Flour and water, but you now let it, let it rise. Make a dough and put it right into the oven. Flour and water is called kemach and mayim. Mayim and kemach. Kemach is one of the names for um, flour. You can call it soles, but kemach is one of them. So let's take kemach and mayim and mix it together with the numbers. Kemach is 148. Kuf memches, 148. Mayim is 90. Mem yud mem, 40, 10, and 40 is 90. So 148 plus 90 is 238. Well, guess whose name is 238? Rachel, 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 Reish, 200. Lamed Ches, or Ches Lamed, 238. Exact Because Matzah is Rachel. Matzah is Shechina. What did the sages say about women? Sages say about women, Noshim, women, Daiton Kalas, their mind is light, their, their Das, their feature of Das is light. That's not Chasrashom to be an insult to women. What it's saying is that's why the woman is getting married. Because marriage, or else if she would have the complete Das, she wouldn't need marriage. She has marriage so she can be in a relationship and she can have the das. What's the das? The das is her very bonding with her husband. That's the das. When um, the, 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 um, the element of a man and a woman uh, bonding or, or, or being in an intimacy is referred to in the Torah as das. As it says, Adam yodas ishtoi. Adam knew his wife. The knowing means this intimate closeness. The Shekhinah, the mother of all souls, as we said earlier, is the source of finite creation, finite existence. the soul of a creation. 
if the creation would have the right das, das meaning the full awareness, the, the real um, recognition of full truth, then, the, then that would not allow Shekhinah to be Shekhinah. Because then all finitude, all of limited existence would be aware of absolute existence. Which absolute existence is him. He is, is none but him. And everything is swallowed in his existence. In the existence of the absolute being. So if Shekhinah would be privy, if she would be, um, if she would have access naturally, if she would be created, so to speak, with full awareness, then she couldn't be who she is. She wouldn't be an identity. She would just be him. There was once Chava, didn't, wasn't always Data and Kalas. Chava is the first woman, right? Eve. It wasn't always that her mind was Kal, light, because when she was part of Adam, she once had a complete Das. She was fully attached to her husband. But then she was him, not herself. In order to make her her as an independent entity, we know Hashem made a, a, uh, a surgery and he, and he removed her. The removal of Chava from Adam is the shrinking of her Das. So she has a sense of independence and selfhood. But that's not, <coughs> that's not the point. The point is not that we, that we remain with our limited mind, with our limited constricted view. The point is that from within our constriction, we should invite in and recognize true reality and true existence and thereby merge with this infinite truth in a way that it does. It should, but since, that's the beauty of it, since we were once given a self and a, a definable existence through the mitigation of our das, through the limitation of our das. So now when we merge with the infinite, it doesn't destroy our finitude. We remain and we, 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 we retain our reality and yet we merge with the bigger reality and we become one out of two becomes one, but not in a way of dissolving out of existence, but merging. Merging means both are present. And that's what God wants. God wants both to be present. God wants the worlds to be filled with das, to have the knowledge, to have the true knowledge of God. And therefore, if you know him, you are him. So that's the way it is. When you know God, you become him. We become him, yet we are ourselves at the same time. We are him and us at the same time. That's the emergent, and that's the purpose of creation, where the finite and the infinite exist simultaneously. That's the marriage. But in order for this to happen, we first have to be in a dasless state. Not no das, but as the sages say, das kala, light das. That means we don't have the full, the full das exposed to us. We're limited in our, in our, um, 
in our um, recognition of truth, in a sense almost like compromised truth, limited vision. What does it say when Mashiach comes? When our marriage will be complete. The earth, which is the creation, which is also symbolizing Shekhinah. Shekhinah is actually called earth many times. She will become filled with Deya. What's her das? Marriage to her husband. Man knew his wife. And it means the opposite. His wife knew him. So that the earth will become filled with knowledge and there will be a unification between the Shekhinah and HaKadosh Baruch We will be married. We will be together. We will be one. Two will be merged as one. The creation will be completely unified with the Creator, the finite with the infinite. But initially, it's not that way. And that's the idea of a matzah. A matzah, we said before, is the Shekhinah. Rachel. The woman, before she's married, that's why she's only a bride-to-be. That's why if you're intimate with her before her time, it's no good. We said before, it's not, you're not, she's not ready. It's not a healthy, good thing. Wait till B'chuppah. We gotta wait. And that's the reason why matzah is also the same numeric value, matzah. Mem tzadik hey. Let's see what it is. Tzadik is 90, mem is 40. So it's 130 plus 5, 135. The numeric value of matzah is 135, which is the same gematria as kala. Not kala meaning a, a bride. That's chaf lamed hey. Kala meaning light. Kal, light. Kuf lamed hey. 135. Because matzah, which is shekhinah, which is feminine. And by feminine, and by the woman it says, daiton kalas, their das is light. Now they need to get married so they can increase their das. And that's what we've been doing for thousands of years, channeling and bringing about the marriage, bringing about the union, so that it will result in Moshiach, which is the time of Mullah Arad's Okay. Now the beginning of that download, the beginning of filling the matzah with the das, begins already the night of Mitzrayim. And let's take a look and we'll see how the matzah itself has a progression from a single girl to the matzah becoming a married woman. So Rebbe Yitzchak, these thoughts that I just shared with you come from a letter that Rebbe Yitzchak sent to his son, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in honor of his birthday, Yudalaf Nisan, a birthday letter. Right? You wonder, like, what other secrets does he say in a birthday letter? These are birthday wishes in which he just, you know, like, drops. And I'm only literally sharing to you little tidbits of this amazing Kabbalistic uh, uh, journey that he, or, or, or uh, um, revelation that he reveals to his son. And by the way, he adds a very interesting thing. He says, matzah is also called food of faith. Michla de Meimenusi says, because getting married, in a sense he's saying eating matzah is, a, is like a marital union. 
That's what he's saying. The matzah is the woman. The person eating the matzah is fulfilling the mitzvah, is drawing down the masculine light into the matzah. And we know that, um, it's, in other words, in his terminology, it's, it's a zivug. That's what it is. It's a zivug. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intimacy. And that's why he says an amazing thing. He says, on Pesach we all wish each other. Before Pesach we say, you should have a chag kosher v'sameach. You should have a kosher yomtiv and a happy yomtiv. What's the emphasis of chag kosher? What's the kosher? Kosher means kosher. You know, Pesach is not so easy to be kosher. You've got to be very careful with the chametz and so on and so forth. More, more strict than any other time of the year, Pesach. But he says a phenomenal idea. He says the kosher is, is not just that the, that the house should be kosher and the matzah should be kosher. And it's that the, <laughs> the matzah should be kosher for the person. It shouldn't have any chametz in it. It should be clean. Very, very protected. You've got to guard the matzahs. But also that the person should be kosher for the matzah. The matzah is so holy, you've got to make sure that you are kosher for the matzah. So when we wish people, we're trying to give, the question is who needs the heksher? Who needs the rabbinical, the rabbinical stamp? The matzah? Well, the person should also get a rabbinical stamp. That, that you are kosher to eat matzah. For that, we got to do tshuva a little bit before Pesach. Prepare ourselves. Am I kosher for the matzah? Why, he says. Because it's a shidduch, you know. When, I, when, I, when you're dating, you want to make sure both. She wants to make sure she's looking good and she's at her best, so she's kosher for her husband. And he wants to make sure also he's, he's kosher for her. She has to be a right, a right. She, he, she shouldn't be turned off by him. They have to be in love with each other, they have to be attractive to each other. So kosher has to do with our attraction, that we should be attractive to the matzah, just like the matzah should be attractive to us. But he says that's the reason why it's also called food of faith, because all shiduchim are not based on rational, on, 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 on logic. All marriages, all matchmaking is not based on, on logic. It's it's, it's beyond logic. It's a matter of faith. If you're caught up in your mind with your logic and you want to prove it 100% that this is the right person for you, you'll never get married. You have to go in with blind faith. You sense it. You have a gut feeling. Of course, you've got to make sure that things feel right. It has to feel right. It has to, and obviously you check as much as you can, but ultimately it's, marriage is a tremendous leap of faith. In, in his writings, he actually writes just the mere fact that you're taking upon yourself to feed, to to have a family is is how do you take how does someone take responsibility to have a family? It means you now become responsible for this person. A husband becomes responsible for feed for for supporting a wife, and not only that, eventually it'll turn into a bezos hashem a big family. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to make sure you have a couple of you know, six digits bank, you know, bank account. You have more than that. You have, you know, you have, you have, you have, you have a couple of million stashed away. Now you can support your family. So everybody's going to wait to get married to that. No. You have faith. God will supply. So getting married, even from that perspective, is an element of faith. And then, as we said before, you can never be sure. One hundred percent sure this woman is for me. You jump in. And then it's the right one. Hashem, of course, 
helps. So that's why it's food of faith. But you, again, this idea that, that the matzah is the woman. But then, as we said earlier, the matzah goes through stages. And where do we see the stages of the matzah? So this is already based on teachings that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak is basing on the Alter Rebbe, Zalman of the Yadi. But it's really, he has his own innovation in it. So I'm going to focus on his innovation. There's two psukim in Shmos, in Chomish Parshas Boy, there's two psukim. Perek Yud Gimel, Shmos 13, Exodus 13. Verse 6 and verse 7. Pasig Vav and Pasig Zay. Pasig Vav it says, Seven days you should eat matzahs. And on the seventh day it should be a chag. It should be a yomtiv. The next Pasig it says, again, so it's commanding you to eat matzahs for seven days. Then it says, which is the time of Pesach, Matzahs should be eaten seven days. It should not be seen any chametz. Any leavened bread shouldn't be seen. And any yeast should not be found in all of your boundaries. So he asks a question. What's his question? He says, first of all, it seems to be repeating the same thing in two verses, one after another. Like, what's the chiddush? He's just saying it in different words. In the first verse, it says to eat matzah. In the second verse, it says to eat matzah. The only difference is in the first verse it says eat matzah. In the second verse it says that matzah should be eaten. Well, that's the same thing. You're eating matzah. Matzah will be eaten. The other thing is how come in the second verse there's a certain consistency in the second verse, which is good, and that it seems like things are happening on their own. Matzah should be eaten. It doesn't say you should eat matzah. Matzah should be eaten. There should not be seen any yeast or any chametz, which is almost like it's saying, you know, it, it shouldn't happen, or it shouldn't be, or it won't be. There won't be chametz in your house. There won't be leaven. It's a certain passive, the way the verse is saying it is in a passive manner. It doesn't say you should get rid of the chametz. It shouldn't be. The reality should be that it shouldn't be any chametz in your house. Why is that? So he explains fascinating idea. The way the word matzah is spelled in the first pasuk, where it says seven days you should eat matzah, it says matz, matzais in the plural. It doesn't say matzah, it says matzais. But it says matz, if you read it correctly, if according to the way it's written, it should really be read matzas. Because there's no vav in the word. It says shivas yamim. Again, this is in Pasuk vav. Shivas yamim teichal matzais. So matzais is just mem tzadik saf. Matz. So it's like it would have been read matzas. The second word verse where it says matzais ye achel shivas yamim, it mentions the word matzah with a vav. Matzais, which would be more like the correct spelling in plural. Matzais with a vav should be eaten the seven days. And herein lies a huge difference. That's what I spoke about before. The first matzah is a single matzah. And the second matzah is already a married matzah. What's the idea? Vav connotes masculine light. Hey is feminine 
And Vav is like we know in Hashem's name, Yud Kei, Vav Kei. Vav Kei is the couple. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Vav and the Shekhinah is He. So when in the Matzah you put the Vav, it's the man and the woman already coming together. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu unifying with the, with the Shekhinah, with the Matzah. And now the matzah is a very rich matzah already. It's not a poor man's matzah. Initially, it's poor. What did we say earlier about the woman on her own? She's lacking the das. Daiton kalas. She has very light das. Now, when she's filled with the vav, then the matzah is filled with deya. Now she's no more a poor man matzah. So, where do we find this idea? So I want to, even though he doesn't discuss it you know, much, but I'm going to take you back to a mimer, a teaching of the Alter Rebbe, on this idea. And he asks a simple question. We are told, we say in, in the Agad, I'm sorry, we say, matzah zusha anu oichlin, this matzah that we eat, we point our matzah on the Seder plate, and we say the matzahs that we're eating is because we ran out of Egypt in a haste, and our matzahs did not have time to rise. And that shows on the swiftness of the redemption, how powerful it was. The matzahs didn't have time to rise, and God just took us out of Egypt. So, the simply so we went out with the dough and so forth. No, so there's different, different ways of reading it. Usually when you, when you have bread, you let the bread sit and uh, you wait till it uh, rises, the, the dough, and then you put it in the oven because you want to have fluffy bread. So you can learn, what does it mean? God was rushing them out so quickly, at what? That they, they, they had to throw the dough into the ovens very quickly because they had to leave. So they didn't go out with dough. They went out with finished matzahs. It's just they didn't have, it's like because they were in a rush, they threw the, the, the matzahs into the oven immediately. That's one, I think Mafarshim, some Mafarshim learned that way. I think so. We'll soon see the Alter Rebbe learns differently. And I think other Mafarshim, I, I didn't get a chance to reread this again, but no, they took, they went out with dough. What happened was they went out with the dough before it rose and they got to where they were staying that night, that day, they traveled, and but it was all so quick, a few, a few million people suddenly were like, because God was like carrying them. It was a long journey, and yet they did it so quick. They got there so quickly, and they had their dough, and because, and they went and they, put the doughs into the oven, ovens when they got to the, where they camped that day. And in this entire time, it didn't have time to rise. It was so quick. And they baked it in the second place where they were, in Sukkot was where they baked it. Which, what did they bake in Sukkot? The, the dough that they took out, the, the dough that they took out from its right. And this whole, this whole journey was so quick that it didn't rise. So the Alter Rebbe asks, therefore, a question like this. I don't get it. Two questions, two very important questions. Number one, as fast as it was, let's say it was fast. 
even just when they got there, they had to reheat the ovens. The heating of the ovens and preparing the oven for the, for the matzah to go in would have been more time. It would have, the matzah would have, um, should have risen up. It was enough time for it to become chametzik. If you're going to say it was, unless you say it was a miracle that it's not becoming chametz, but then that's, and then how is that, how is that, how is that indicating the rush, the haste? It's a miracle that it didn't, it didn't rise fine. Here's trying to tell you how fast it was, simply. That's what we want to say, how fast it was. So the Alter Rebbe says it's impossible that it was so little time passed that it didn't rise. Again, let alone, maybe the journey was like that. But the, the time it would take for them to, to heat the oven and put the matzah into the thing it would be already 18 minutes. The other question he asks is, how can we say that the matzah we're eating is because of the swift haste going out of Egypt when God had already instructed them in Egypt to eat matzah? That night before they went out of Mitzrayim, Hashem told them, you should eat You should." eat the carp, they had to offer up a lamb. And God says, Al you should eat it with matzah and marah and bitter herbs. So they were commanded then that they have to eat matzah. So it wasn't a matzah that happened by accident. It was a planned baking of matzah because the Torah instructed them to make matzah. So why are we saying that the matzah that we are eating is because, is because of their haste? when we were already commanded to eat the matzah before the whole story happened. So the Alter Rebbe's answer, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a long discussion over there, but the answer, brief, the main idea is that there's two types of matzah. There is the matzah that the Jewish people made that night because God commanded them. And that matzahs um, were matzahs that needed to be guarded. They had to work very diligently and be very careful to make sure to bake them quickly, like we do with matzah today, to make sure to bake them quickly. Put them in the oven so they shouldn't rise. If you leave it out too long, it will rise. This was the first matzah, the matzah that they ate when they were in Egypt. Then they had with themselves dough that they were preparing now for the journey. God took them out so quickly, as we said before, they grabbed the dough with them, they went. Now, of course, 18 minutes passed. Even though it was very quick, 18 minutes passed. It could have risen. But because God revealed himself to them that night, there was such a spectacular revelation of the infinite, of God himself. God's presence and revelation and powerful uh, uh, um, revealed presence deflated any ego. What's matzah? Matzah is is why does it rise? It's, it's it's ego. It thinks you know fluffs itself up. You can't fluff yourself up when you're when you see God. It's the epitome of humility. It knocks you flat. Just like it knocks a person flat, 
it knocked the matzah flat. So that matzah was matzah not because we were watching it from being matzah. The revelation of God itself caused the matzah to be matzah. And that's the meaning of lohispik. It didn't get a chance to rise. The revelate, it's not that the time going out of Mitzrayim. Is they started this bread, then God revealed himself, and the, and the revelation was so intense that the matzah couldn't rise. It's not talking about, so it's not really telling you how fast it was. It's telling you more about how intense it was. Such a nigla, it was such a revelation of Hashem that nothing can rise. So it stayed, it stayed a flat though. It stayed egoless. So that's a different type of matzah. That's a matzah that includes within it the revelation. The revelation is going into the matzah. So just like God in a sense is revealing himself to the Jewish people, he's revealing himself to the matzah. The matzah is a shechina. Matzah is the feminine element. Matzah also represents our souls. But our souls and our being in an egoless state, flat. But there's two types now, so it comes out like this. When we eat matzah, our Pesach by night, our matzahs that we are eating are not the first matzah that they ate. The first matzah that they ate is the single matzah. What I mean single, it's a, sing it's a girl who's still single. And that is the reason why on its own it can rise. They needed to watch it and guard it that it shouldn't rise. Our matzahs, even though, yes, while we're processing it in the matzah factories, we have to watch it. But our matzahs that we're eating it, when we're eating them already, our matzahs are already like protected matzahs. I'm not saying this halachically, but I'm saying this conceptually. Our matzahs are already matzahs imbued with God's presence. Inside the matzah is the vav, is the powerful drawing down, download of God. Down, God was downloaded into the matzah. And that's what we say, matzah zusha Our matzahs that we eat, even though they only merited those matzahs after midnight, and we eat the matzah before midnight, so the Alter Rebbe explains, because it's today we have already the power of the Torah, they didn't have the Torah yet. So they didn't have the power to cause the download to come down into the matzah. So they had to wait for midnight, and at midnight, God revealed himself. So there was a difference between the matzahs before midnight and the matzahs after midnight. Our matzahs that go on to our Seder are already imbued because they're matzahs mitzvah, they're matzahs of a mitzvah, the vav, the godly revelation is drawn into the matzah even before midnight. So we're saying our matzahs is not because of the first matzahs they ate but because of the second matzahs they had, which is much holier and much godlier than the first matzah. And that's the reason the Alter Rebbe says, take a look in the verse, where it says that they should make matzah, it mentions matzah without a vav. And when it says, when they went out of Mitzrayim, when it speaks about the matzahs that happened because they were hasted, it mentions matzah with a vav. Because that's the difference. The vav represents the flowing energy of the Hanoira, the awesome revelation that was revealed into the matzah, didn't allow it to, to rise. This is the idea of the Alter Rebbe. Take comes Rebbe Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father, takes this concept and he shows it in these two Pesukim too. 
The first pasuk where it says seven days you should eat matzah, it mentions matzah without a vav. And that's why it implies you're doing, you're making sure to eat matzah. Because this matzah you got to guard, this matzah you got to watch. Matzah without a vav. The second time when it says the matzah should be eaten, it says matzah with a vav. Now that matzah you can, first of all, you don't do anything. The matzah is a matzah without you. It happens on its own. Number two, the verse continues and says, there will not be seen chametz. Not you shouldn't see chametz. Simply you read it, you shouldn't see chametz. But if it would be you shouldn't see chametz, it should say, get rid of the chametz. Don't let, it, why does it say it in like a pass, in, in a passive state? Because it's not to be read only you shouldn't, but also you will not see chametz. Because under such revelation, there can't be chametz. There is no chametz, there is no leaven. You have no ego. God is telling you, if I am shining in you, then you will be humble. So now, the first matzah, which is the guarding matzah, the matzah, the unmarried matzah. So it's representing us when we're still alone. Remember going back to the beginning of the class. I mentioned the whole idea of Pesach is that we are human beings. On Pesach by night we become godly beings. We go, here's what happens. This is really, this is, this is really an amazing transformation. You approach the Seder as a human being. And you go through the Seder, you consume and you act and you go through the commandments and all the mitzvahs and all the customs and all the Haggadah and the whole, the whole situation, you're like on a production line. <laughs> you come out on the other end of the, of the assembly line, you come out a godly being, not a human being. Because you're eating godliness, you're experiencing godliness, God is being downloaded at the Seder into your soul to make you into a godly being. To, to merge with you. One of the differences of being a human being and a godly being is a human being still has to struggle with ego, with a self that is not compatible with godliness, an ego that rises and wants to live life divorced from holiness, centered towards one's own personal fulfillment, earthy fulfillment. When you become a godly being, you're imbued with truth. You're an enlightened person. And automatically you sense God as your primary core, your nucleus of your being. And everything about your life is about fulfilling your purpose. And being an agent or a channel or an, a conduit for God in this world. And then there is no ego. So therefore, he says an interesting thing. That the Alter Rebbe, it's really a, a, a teaching already from the Alter Rebbe. He says the matzah without the vav, that's the initial matzah. It's preparing ourselves to, for the Seder, but not yet connecting. It still involves a struggle. Matzas comes from the word struggling. Matzah umeriva means a fight, a quarrel. There is still a quarrel going on between the good side and the unholy side. For most people, even though we're godly beings as Jews, to a certain degree, this quarrel will continue until Mashiach comes. 
until we achieve the full consciousness of our fusion with God. Even though now we are already fused with Hashem through the Torah mitzvahs, we do, but we're not conscious of it until Mashiach. Then we will see and we will experience ourselves as godly beings. It happens now, it's experienced later. So during the time that we are already imbued with godliness, but we don't know it, so we're still in the psyche of a human being, not of a godly being. And in that sense, we still struggle with ego. And that's the idea of matzahs. Matzahs. Now what is the, when you're faced with an animalistic self, with an unholy self, because you're still struggling, like we all are, how do you overcome it? So the sages say, the way you overcome it is, you get angry at your Yetzahara. One of the ways of beating the unholy is to evoke wrath and anger in it. Say, how dare you? How dare you? What kind of chutzpah? You're suggesting I do this? You think I'm so disconnected? You can even think of me behaving in such a anti-godly way? You get angry at it. You call it names. You're despicable. You have the audacity. What kind of chutzpah you? You lowlife, you moron, you whatever. I don't know, you call it all kinds of names. And the sages use the word, adam. a person should get angry, should enrage the good inclination, our soul, over the klipa. And that's the matzah, that's the fight. It wants to rise, you're knocking it down. So the altar, so the, the Rebbe Levi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father, says like this, the word yargiz means you should affect what's called the rogez, Rogas means wrath, anger. So what's the gematria of the word roigez? Roigez is reish vav gimel zayin. Reish is 200. Vav and gimel, vav is 6 and gimel is 3, so it's 9, 209. Zayin, 7. So rogez is gematria 209 plus 7, which is 216. Same gematria, by the way, is the word gavura. 216, gavura, you have to evoke Kavuras. Rogas, anger. So he says, since the matzah, the poor man's matzah, sorry, the matzah before, before you get the second half of the matzah, the afikoman matzah, the rich matzah, the poor man's matzah, the, 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 the matzah while she's still single involves this rogez. That's why rogez 216 is the exact gematria of the word halachma anya. This is the poor man's bread. Because, which we say at the beginning of the Seder, halachma anya, this is the poor man's bread. Because that declaration, halachma anya, this is the poor man's bread, is referring to the matzah at the beginning of the Seder. As we're going to proceed in the Seder, the matzah is going to change. The matzah is not going to be halach ma'anya, it's not going to be a poor man's bread. It's going to become a very rich matzah. But for now, at the beginning, it's halach ma'anya. The way he, Rebbe Yitzhak puts it, it's the level of malchus itself, without her marriage yet, the Shekhinah herself, without her union yet with her husband. 
And then there's still an element of rogues, 216. That's the, also the reason he says why we say it in Aramaic. Because Aram, we, we know this from the concept of we're supposed to say two times Chumash every Shabbos. Two times Chumash and once Targum. And explained Kabbalistically that the Targum that we say is, the, is, is Malchus. Malchus is the source already of different languages. Higher than Malchus is only Lush and HaKodesh, only the Holy Tongue. Malchus is a source already of Aramaic, of different translations. So this we say in Aramaic, because Halach Ma'anya is referring to the Matzah in its impoverished state. So hopefully, by eating matzah, what happens? We gradually ascend, ascend from the quarrel state into a place that's going to be where Mashiach comes, and we won't have any more Yetzirah. The canceling of the Yitzhahara when Mashiach comes is not like God is canceling Yitzhahara. What's going to happen is Hashem will imbue the world with Das. When you have Das, automatically there is no Yitzhahara. As we said earlier, the Matzah cannot rise when there is godly revelation. Which is supposed to, all of this was supposed to be the jump start into the Pirushim I wanted to teach, I would like to teach from the Rebbe on this idea of this fusion of us with Hashem. But because my eyes are closing and I don't think I'm going to do a good presentation on the rest of it, I think I'm going to do this, but Ezra Hashem will continue tomorrow, maybe tomorrow morning. But I want to continue because I have a few. This theme and this idea of this fusion of Jew with Hashem and them coming together at the Pesach Seder is a theme that runs through the entire Agad and it explains some really, really fast, you know, some really, you know, things that are, which we have a lot of questions on when we read the Agada and add tremendous insight. But the main thing is the very idea itself, the understanding and appreciation of this powerful idea. So let's, Bezos Hashem, continue tomorrow. Hopefully already we're going to hear Torah from Mashiach Tzadkenu. May it be, may it be already.